and welcome back to Night Owl Nerds. Tonight on this beautiful Saturday night, we'll be continuing our campaign, Fate Split. Does anybody have any special announcements? And no, naps do not count. I slept. It's not a nap, Good it's for sleeping. You. I'm glad you finally slept. I'm proud of you. Thanks, accomplishment. Yeah, it is. It really, really is. PSA, sleep is very important. See, Xander, sleep is important. Sleep is for the week, and it's the weekend, therefore it is not for now. That's not an excuse for the whole week, Xander. But, ah, at that point, the E changes to an A. During the weekdays, the E changes to an A. During the weekends, the, the A changes to an E. Whatever helps you feel better. Whatever it's, helps you sleep at night. It's all about well, he's not vowel sleeping, con- so <laughs> it's all about vowel conservation. Quality content we, for the viewers. We could talk about vowel conservation, but I think people have come here to see D and don't know. At this point, I really don't know why people show up. See, that's too close. I I show up so I don't get fined. There's that. That one is for you, John. Gotta love Marshawn Lynch, man. <laughs> Every time I say that, I'll look over at your cam to see if you crack a <laughs> smile or something. <laughs> I don't know, man. Getting John to crack a smile, that's a, that's a feat in and of itself. You just don't re- er, reference Marshawn Lynch enough. Clearly. No, I don't. I will admit I don't know who that is. You can ask him any question you want, anything in the world, and he'll just tell you that he's just here so he doesn't get fined. No. If you ask him if they should have handed the ball off to him at the one-yard line in the Super Bowl, his answer would be, you're goddamn right they should have. <laughs> oh, that's fair. <laughs> All right. I'm ready to roll. Yep. All right. I guess if everybody We're not settled... even in the game yet, Zeph. I have my dice in my hand. I'm ready to roll. Mm-hmm. You picked them up to, to avoid the pun call out. I think someone's being paranoid. Anyway... Let's review. Let's resume our main campaign of Fate's Split. Previously, during our main campaign, the party, dubbed Encouragement, was traveling through the South Sheraton Woods, trying to get north to Vice's hometown of Sheraton. During their travels, they were mysteriously transported to what seemed to be an alternate timeline, as was revealed by the various watchers with whom they have a direct connection. After consulting with each other, they continued traveling north for the remaining few hours of travel. Upon arrival to Sheraton, Vice was approached by one of the young elves he knew during his childhood. And this elf informed him that some time ago, a man had appeared in the woods and requested Vice's mother. Upon hearing this information, Vice bolted towards his childhood home, 
closely followed by his party members, Vice paused at the door of his own home before knocking, waiting for his mother to answer the door. Upon answering the door, she collapsed, holding him in a tight embrace, sobbing and crying out that she thought that he was dead because he had not returned with, with Northam. Upon hearing that Northam had returned, Vice burst into the house and found Northam nearly dying, laying on the sofa within his living room. Parlor. Den. Pick a word. After expending a lot of healing magic between Moss and Selene, Northam finally breathed a deep breath, opened his eyes, and looked down at Vice, or over at Vice, holding his hands on his chest. Vice, you made it. And as my music does weird things, that is where we're going to resume tonight's session. Vice, you are kneeling on the floor of your own parlor. Northam weakly looks into your eyes. A gentle smile across his face. His tattered and scorched clothing, hair, and beard. Still smelling slightly of soot. And a little bit of decay. He smiles gently at you. I knew you'd come back. Where, where have you been? Where, where did I send you? We made it nearly to the peak of Glacier's spine. That's... Just, uh, just north of Interion. Yes, I'm quite familiar with, um... Oh. And he just kind of closes his eyes but you see an expression in his face and his eyebrows and his in in his facial structure just kind of falls into a very disappointed look as as he's kind of overcome by what looks like guilt and he kind of opens his eyes again i'm i'm so sorry i, I never meant to send you there I, I was meant to send you to the I was meant to send you to the forest outside your own home. And we we gathered as much when you said we'd be outside of the city, and we weren't, but we made it here. We made a new friend, and Vice is going to look for Gurn and not see him in the living room um, and turn back to Northam. Um... A new friend. Well, uh, new friends are are uh, are good. Um, where where is Fathus, the the tiefling that was with you? We aren't entirely sure. Um, I don't believe that um, that Moss told. Uh, Vice about Farthus's message. No. Uh, that was shared not. only between him and Shatten. Yeah. 
so I'm not enti- we're not entirely sure. Um, he, uh, a- a- according to Shatton, he just vanished in the middle of the night, um, like in his bedroll. Gone. He left us. Shatton's ears just droop. Uh, hello, Shatton. It's good to see you again. Hello. He kind of, he kind of like turns his head slightly. It almost looks like he's trying to crane his neck to look around Vice to see you just kind of huddling behind Vice's mother. Um, who who are you? As he looks up at you, you Crystal. Oh, like um, hello. I'm Crystal with a K. Okay, um, nice to meet you. I I assume you've been helping my dear Vice on his journey home? Yeah, I have. They all, like, ended up in a town I was in. So, yeah. Oh, all right, um, uh... Are you the the new friend that they made along the way? I kind of, I mean, you're the only new face I see, so. Oh, I'm like, I think they were talking about someone else. He's like outside. Oh, I, well, I suppose I'll meet him when he's ready. And he kind of, uh, he breaks his gaze from you, Crystal, and then looks back to you know, he, he looks ac- around the room, like making eye contact with everybody in the room with this like this look of guilt and and a, a pained look until he locks back onto you, Vice. I'm so sorry. I, I Glacius Spine is such a dangerous place to be. I, I never should. Sh- stop. I think I can speak for all of us when I say that we're happy you're even alive. The last thing we saw was the tower collapsing and you not making it through. He kind of... You see one of his hands kind of reach down towards his legs and you see him like rubbing his thighs and whatnot. After I sent you through the tree, I kind of pushed you through uh, another stone came down and blocked my entryway into the tree M- more stones from the tower came down and they they struck me down i was i believe i was buried in the stone a kind of tomb if you will, I'm I'm lucky my chest wasn't crushed, but my legs certainly were. I, I believe I lost consciousness, because when I opened my eyes and realized that you were gone, I was surrounded by nothing but stone and ash. The tree I'd used to transport you had been reduced to cinders. I, I believe I was spared by the stones that lay around me as, like, shielding me from the fires as the tower burnt down. It 
But as I, as I looked upon the pile of broken wood and embers, I just... I couldn't be certain if I had sent you to the right place. I... I couldn't... I couldn't remember which tree had come to mind after I was hit in the head. I couldn't... I couldn't think to myself where I might have sent you. So... I managed to gather enough energy to shift myself into a serpent, something that I felt was small enough to navigate the wreckage. But it was more difficult than I had anticipated. It would seem that some wounds are so grievous, they co they carry with you no matter what form you take. It took me hours to crawl out from the wreckage of my tower. And... He just kind of... He trails off and breaks eye contact with you. As if he's reliving a great tragedy. He kind of refocuses and looks back at you. It took me some time in my pained state, but I made my way down into Hastholm proper. Vice, it's gone. The, the beast that lay siege to my tower it destroyed the entire town of Hastholm. I couldn't find a single survivor. Buildings, people, everything. It, it's all ash. I did manage to find a tree large enough to accommodate me and I, I had to rest for some time just to gather the strength to use that spell again and the only place I could think to go was here. I used what little energy I could, cast the spell, brought myself to the forest here and I, I collapsed. After that it's all flashes. I remember a couple of the loggers picking me up. I I know I I must have managed to say your mother's name because the next time I woke up I was I was here on this on this sofa with your mother tending to me. Since then I, I I've been in and out for a long time trying to heal myself, but I just haven't had the strength. Well, it's a good thing that uh, Moss and Celine made it with us. Because without them, I... I don't know how long or if you would have come out of that state. Moss, Celine, thank you. I, I owe you a great debt, and 
I have nothing to offer. Northam, the most that you can do right now is just rest and get yourself better. <clears throat> and then I'm going to turn to Vice. I'm sure there's a lot more we need to talk about, but I think right now he needs to rest and continue healing. We probably should give him a little bit of time to do so. Vice is going to, still holding one of Northam's hands, uh, stand up and reach into, or pull down his satchel and set it at his feet and reach in, uh, finding his journal, uh, pull out Fadden's uh, invoice records and head, set it in Northam's hand and say, this is um, something that I think you should read over. Uh, while you have the opportunity to, or when you have the opportunity to, uh, because we have several questions regarding this and many other things, but uh, I think this is something you should know and also pressing for us to know as well. I, um, I'll... He kind of unfolds the papers and just kind of skims through them. Um, are these receipts for my purchases? The town in Tyrion that you were buying gems from, um, one of the... A, a server, a servant to the mayor of that town, um was tracking all this and um, it could also be on there uh, his journal that had his inf or that had uh, information written down about Northam uh, I believe that was in his in with his invoice records that we found because uh, I remember that you had mentioned that yeah it was just basic information of, of where he was and what he was buying there's also something else that I remember that I just didn't write down, which is a goddamn shame. Um, <laughs> um, he's a person of interest. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up more about it, but anything that you can remember about him, his name was Fabin, uh, would be good for that conversation. I... I, I don't remember a man named Favin. Um, my... He just kind of takes a few deep breaths before he manages to eke out. All of my purchases of interior crystals were... I never learned the names of the merchants. There, there, were, there were a few of them. They would pass through every once in a while on their on their way to the great drow city. Um, I just know that any chance I could, I, I, I bought up their, their blue ones. I, I needed them for my research. I, I didn't know they were tracking my purchases. Why, why was I a why was I a person of interest? Uh, uh, 
before I let you rest, what were you using the blue crystals for? My my research, the the crystals. The crystals have an odd property of of boosting uh, divination magics. My my research request required me to read into the stars. I mean, you you remember the ceiling in the main hall of the tower, the the constellations and such. That was. I, I try to divine things by reading the stars. It's it's been my focus of study for millennia. I the gems just they gave me a boost, a little extra, a little extra oomph when I needed it. Well, uh, you'll be happy to know that we're in good with the mayor of Interion. And we actually have some of those crystals. Oh, with us. They, well, they they may prove useful to you at some point if you ever, if you ever wish to follow my footsteps and read the stars, or if you ever into the more, future. If you ever need more, just let them know that you know us. Uh, well, that's um, that's wonderful to hear, Vice. I'm glad you're making friends along the way, and that. I'm just glad you're here. But I don't believe I, I will have any use for any crystals anytime soon. Well, why don't you go to somewhere more comfortable, like one of the beds upstairs? I, with my legs in their state, I, I don't know that... And he just kind of cuts off as he's been continuously, like, rubbing one of his thighs... He pauses for a moment and just kind of he, he pushes the blanket aside and I mean you guys had pulled it up to work on his legs but he pulls it down so that he can see like shoves it aside oh well you are talented healers Moss and Celine uh Vice help, help me up help me up uh, Let's let's see if I can do this. I am going to do my damnedest. Okay. We are both. Uh, can I assist? We are all three going to roll strength checks at advantage. That would have been a perfect time to say that I could add my two d20s so I could have crit that, but I got an 18 instead. Northam crit. <laughs> I got a nine. All right. It, so it evens out. Moral support. <laughs> Three successes, one failure. Three. So, well, crits count as two successes in skill challenges. Um, so, Northam, with your assistance, with you two assisting, each of you taking an arm, he manages to sit up on the sofa and place his feet on the floor, and you can see him trying to, like, wiggle his toes and try to gain his footing. And then it's just one, two, three, and the, <clears throat> the three of you stand him up, and he is incredibly wobbly, 
but he puts his you know he puts his weight down on your shoulders and manages to straighten his back and you can hear his his joints and his back cracking as he tries to stand and straighten himself up and his legs are shaking like hell but he is standing i uh, <laughs> i wasn't sure i was going to be able to do that again uh, thank you thank you oh oh but that was exhausting Oh, yeah. I could just carry you if you'd like. <clears throat> you, uh... Huh. Well, you would be the best suited for it, wouldn't you? And he just kind of... His eyes begin to droop, and he begins to wave back and forth. And he starts to fall forward. <laughs> I'll, I'll try and catch him. <laughs> Without issue, you manage to shove your large reptilian arm out and you, you catch him with Vice and Selene kind of slowing the fall. And as he's just kind of laying in your arms, he's, he kind of looks up at you. Moss, you have such gentle eyes. Thank you. And he just kind of passes out. I'll pick him up. Or should I uh, take advice? Uh, first room on the right. The, the muscle. Follow Vice's instructions and go to the first up the, room. Up on... the stairs, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured as much. And he'll uh, bring him to the room upstairs and to, to go to the first room on the right. Okay. You see a somewhat simple room with what appears to be things collected by a child with a somewhat small bed, but large enough to accommodate Northam comfortably. It would seem that nothing in this room has been moved in quite some time as there is a thin layer of dust across all of the belongings in the dresser. And as you pull the blankets back, before trying to cover Northam, you do see a thin plume of dust in the afternoon sunlight streaming through the window. Okay, I'll lay him on the bed and cover him up. Okay. You, you can hear him breathing. He's just, he's passed out. I don't have to sing him a lullaby then. No, he's he, he passed out when you <laughs> caught him. Walk back downstairs to the rest of the group. So after Moss bought Northam upstairs, um, I'm going to kind of look around and see if I can't find Gurn. Not really sure where he went. You guys all watched him step outside. Oh, okay. Okay, I couldn't remember. Um... Yeah, it was like right at the end of last week's session, like as Vice was going up to to Northam and whatnot, Gurn kind of dismissed himself from the room and went outside and sat outside the front door. Um, I'm going to kind of speak to the rest of the group before Moss gets back. Um, I'm going to go check on Gurn, make sure he's not doing anything he's not supposed to. 
like and then kind strangers. Of... I'm not sure exactly what he would be doing, but I want to make sure he's not in trouble or anything. He's been gone a while. And then I'm going to kind of start making my way outside. Okay. What door should I go through? There's like three doors here. No, there <laughs> are two doors. The oh. small stairwells indicate where the exit and entry, the, the entryways are. The okay. one that you are closest to right now leads to the back of the house. The one that you entered through is in the more southern port part of the uh, building. Okay. Uh, I guess I'll just go back through the front door and just kind of step outside looking around. Okay. As you step outside, you're now looking upon the town of Sheraton. It is small, but somewhat well-populated and bustling. You see elves of all ages moving back and forth, doing whatever they have to do to make the wine in this town. Vice's home seems to be kind of set back from the rest of them, almost right on the base of the mountain range. But from this vantage point, you are just looking out on a beautifully set um, town. And as you look off to your east, you can just hear the crashing of waves and you can smell that sea air coming in, carrying the fog with it as it travels, this, this thin fog just continuously traveling over the town. As you look around, you do not see Gurn outside the building until you begin to look south. And through the fog, you see a large silhouette begin to approach you. Until it clarifies. And Gurn is now standing in front of you. Hi, Sleen. Hi, Gurn. What are you doing? Gurn, just be too good. Watch. Anything interesting? No, see any threat. Well, that's good. I mean, that seems like a pretty, pretty quiet town. Doesn't seem like there's a lot really going on in it. <clears throat> Gurn grabs onto his ear and plays with his ear a little bit. Weird. <laughs> What's weird? He Gurn gestures to the people. Oh, the elves? <clears throat> Lots. Gurn yeah. knows once. You've never seen elves? Not lots. I suppose that makes sense, living up in the mountains. Just goblins. <laughs> That's fair. Did Gurn's meme doll help? Yes. Northam's definitely better. He's resting now. 
good. He should be better soon. Okay, we go in. You can go. Yeah, we're going to go back inside if you want. Okay. Gern goes towards the door. I will follow. All right. While Gern was outside, he was just kind of walking around the perimeter of the building, making sure there wasn't anything weird or suspicious, no danger present. You didn't find any danger present, but as you had ventured around the backside of the house, you did find a series of raised gardens that seemed to be growing various vegetables and herbs. And the ones that caught your attention had bright purple tiny flowers tiny bright purple flowers growing in stalks that smelled lovely could gern have picked one of these flowers oh sure okay if you want to be holding a nice little stalk of purple flowers he actually tucks it behind his ear nice So, Celine, as you guys are walking back into the building, you notice a small stalk of purple flowers tucked behind Gern's ear. Those are pretty flowers, Gern. <clears throat> sniff! And Gern leans his head over towards your nose so you can sniff the flowers in his ear. Based on smell, can I tell what kind of flowers these are? So, when you lean in and sniff Gern's head, you get a very strong whiff of sweat, dried blood, dirt, and lavender. Um, well, lavender definitely makes you smell better. <laughs> it's definitely a pretty scent. What do you mean, Gurn? Smell better. You just smell a little bit like travels. Just a little bit. But I think we all do. We've been traveling for a while and haven't really bathed. Gurn's just gonna kind of look at you. And I assume we're inside at this point. Yeah, I would and, say so. Uh, He's just gonna walk away from you and go over towards where Shatton is. Alright, so as the two of you re-enter the house, this is about the time that Moss would be coming back down the stairwell. Shatton is going to uh, tug on Vice's mom's sleeve and with the biggest puppy dog eyes and innocent expression I don't suppose you have anything to eat, do you? We've been traveling for a while, and I'm a little hungry. She just kind of... So this entire time, Vice's mother has never looked away from Vice. Like, yeah, she brought you guys... She ushered you guys in. She brought you to Northam, watched this whole healing thing happen, and all these these interactions, but she never broke eye contact with Vice. When you tug on her sleeve, she doesn't immediately react. And then she just kind of like quickly jerks her little head and looks down at you. Uh, um, 
I'm sorry, what? Um, we've been traveling for a while and we're kind of hungry. Do you have any food? Uh, yes, yes, in the kitchen. Just help yourself to the cupboards. I'm sure there's something Captain. in there. And, Should uh... Hang on. <laughs> oh. Vice is gonna pull out, or reach into his, his bag and grab a um, small gold pouch and just toss it to Shatten and say, please go to the inn. On me. I'll meet you there in a moment. Or come back with all the food that that can buy. She she just nods her head up and down real quick. Okay. Add, add 100 gold to your inventory. And she's going to move and dash. <laughs> in a flash, Shatten is gone and you hear the clinking of coins as she desperately tries to shove them in her own pack as she's running. We'll get back to you, Shatten, in a minute. I didn't mean to send her away, but I also know that you will need food at some time, Mother, and she will take it all. I... I don't care. You're home. <laughs> You're alive. You You've got friends. You're alive. You're Listen. It was one bird that was dead. Only one. But she's going to eat all your food if you tell her that she has free, free range of your cupboards. Don't care. Your home, Vice. And she again collapses on her knees and is just embracing you like a vice. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And she begins sobbing again, soaking your chest with her own tears. I will hold her as well. Although anyone watching will see that it's a bit awkward. <laughs> it's like when you come home with you with your friends and your mom's just hugging you in the living room because she's excited to see you because that's exactly what's happening. After a few moments, she does manage to compose herself, releases you, and stands back up. So, um... Friends! <laughs> welcome! Um, I don't... Oh. I've never had to host people before. I, um... I'm sorry, Vice has never brought anyone home before um welcome to our home um she kind of glances over at you vice anyone but the rabbit is allowed to eat i i do have some food i've got i've got bread i've got milk i've got crap i should have gone shopping i didn't know you were coming it's fine. I'm sure that Shatten, the rabbit, will be back with plenty of food for all of us. Although she'll probably leave about a third of it on the way back, and the other third of it will be in her stomach by the time she gets here. But a hundred gold could buy that tavern. That's a good point. I should probably go uh, look after her. 
<laughs> Mossel, can you uh, actually point like where the uh, inn is? I I don't know if they've changed buildings. Mother, can would you be able to point him to make just so I don't give wrong direction? Uh, yes. Uh, I'm sorry. What, what was your name? Uh, Moss. Uh, Moss. Uh, lovely to meet you. Vice, what's your mother's name? Man, I keep forgetting. You'd think that the DM would remember <laughs> that my mother's name is Natalia. Uh, nice to meet you, Moss. I'm I'm Natalia. Um, the yes, the inn. Honestly, you, you can't miss it. It's it's right there. And she points out the kitchen window, and you see a large building with a blue slate roof directly across from, almost directly across from Vice's house. Um, oh, thank you, Natalia. I'll be back in a little bit. And Mossel, exit and go towards the inn. Okay. Real quick, Shatton, roll me an investigation check. To see if I find a place? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, that would be a 21. Okay. Following your keen senses, and with Vice having told you that you're looking for an inn, you decide to follow the smell of alcohol, particularly ale, and you search around for a little while, you get to the wineries and you and you think to yourself, this can't be it. This is where they're making the wine. Where are they drinking it? And you run around town and it takes you all of like two or three minutes to realize that the building you've now run past two or three times is the inn. You just didn't really realize it was the inn because it's not well populated. They must not do a whole lot of business here. She's uh, <clears throat> going to go inside. Okay. And uh, I'm guessing she can see where the bar is and where there's a server. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fairly simple establishment. You see a handful of tables, a bar along the backside... You can hear the clanging of dishes in a back room, but there's all of like one patron in here and a bartender just kind of absentmindedly wiping the countertops. She's going to run up to the bartender and just hop up under the stool in front of him. Uh, hi. Hello. Uh, I was hoping I could get some food to go. To to go where? To somewhere else to eat. I want to buy a lot of food. Look, little girl, we make food. We serve food. We don't ship it. She's going to pull out uh, some of the gold and drop it on the counter. Pretty please. He just kind of glances down at the gold and looks back up at you. What do you have, little lady? I'll take as much of the meat as you can spare. I'll take as much cheese as you can spare. As much bread as you can spare. No potatoes. 
I'll take some vegetables and fruit. Uh, let's see here. What else we're going to need? He said as much food as I can. Uh, maybe a, a cart to pull it all in. And do you have any big wheels of cheese? Moss, as she's lifts, listing all of this off, you step into the tavern and you see Shatton standing on a stool, talking with the with the elven bartender, right as she says, do you have any big wheels of cheese? All right. Moss is going to just kind of stand there and watch the interaction. Because this is entertaining. She's also going to point to, if she can see a barrel of wine, says, I also want a barrel of wine. There doesn't appear to be a barrel of wine. Any ales or anything visible? Uh, there's a few. Yeah, there, there's a couple barrels of ale, but there are no barrels of wine here. There are some bottles on the on the shelf behind the bar. I'll take three bottles and that barrel of ale. The bartender looks down at you and says, Look, no matter how much gold you've, you're you offering, we have no way of... Are you going to carry all of this stuff to go? If I have to. That's what I'm here for. The bartender is just suddenly very startled as he's broken from this strange interaction. He looks up at you and he's just like... What the hell is going on today? All right. So you're the muscle. And I'm the brain. Right. Do you have any idea how much food you're asking for right now? Oh, gee, I hadn't thought of that. I don't care. All right. How, how, how much are you willing to spend? I guess it's the only way I can. How much do you have? She pulls out the hundred gold. All of it. And she she slides it forward. All right. And he's kind of looking through the coins and he counts it up to about a hundred. And he takes about 60 of it and pushes it back to you. In case you hadn't noticed. We're not exactly a busy establishment. We don't have that much food here. But I'll bring you what we've got. Thank you very much. And he steps out back, and you hear what starts as a muffled conversation between him and the cooks, you know, the people in the back, which very quickly escalates into a mixture of excitement and argument and from what you can tell, they're trying to figure out how the hell they're going to even gather this up in a manner that even makes sense. You start hearing the banging of wood until maybe 20 minutes later, the door to the kitchen slams open and the bartender and one of the cooks come walking out each at either side of a large wooden crate. 
and they just kind of drop it on the floor. And you peer inside, and in the crate, like the top of it is open, in the crate is just piles of meat wrapped in uh, canvas, like what looks like raw meat wrapped in canvas, several loaves of bread, a couple wheels of cheese. He just kind of looks at it for a moment, and he looks back at you, oh, crap. And then he goes over, and he takes one of the barrels of ale, pushes it over, one of the unopened barrels of ale, pushes it over, rolls it over to you, and then goes back behind the bar and grabs up three or four bottles of wine and tosses those into the crate as well. That's about all we can spare. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. And he just, he and the cook will just walk back into the kitchen and you hear more conversations of arguments, something about you shouldn't have sold that much. How are we going to handle the dinner rush? What are we going to do now? I don't know. He handed us, she handed us a whole bunch of gold. We're good for the night. It's just, and the, the, the argument just kind of carries on. And you two are now left standing in the middle of an empty bar, a, a basically empty bar with a large crate of random foods and a full cask of ale. While they were uh, gathering all this together, Moss wanted to look around this inn to see if he could find photos on the wall. Well, not photos, but pictures on the wall that resemble Vice. Uh, As you look around this bar, there are no portraits on these walls. Okay. There are, however, as as you look around, you do notice in one of the corners of the room, there is a small bookshelf with a handful of aged and tattered books. Okay. Moss will see if he can lift the crate. (laughs) Go ahead and roll a strength check. Yeah, figured. Uh, 15. It's difficult... But thanks to your size, you are able to lift it. It's certainly not balanced. And it doesn't have a lid. So as you lift it, you hear the glass bottles clanging against each other, and one of them kind of rolls over and squishes into one of the loaves of bread, but... You got it. Okay, muscle slowly put it down. Okay. He will take the glass bottles out and put them in the bag of holding. Okay. And then look to see if there's anything else that seems breakable. Nothing else. Everything and else then, is just food. Then try and pick it up again. Okay. Having done this once, you know how to lift it now. Okay. Shatton's going to tilt the barrel on its side and roll it's it out the door. Already on its side. Ah, in that case, she's gonna. He, the bartender had pushed it on its side and rolled it to you, and kind of stopped it against the side of the crate. So you're gonna push the barrel of the full barrel of ale out. 
Yes. Okay, go ahead and roll a strength check. Ooh, that is an 18. It takes you about a minute to even get the leverage to get this thing rolling. And once it starts rolling, you're having difficulty stopping it. And it is getting closer and closer to the door of this inn. She's gonna push it, keep push. She's gonna keep it going. Oh, okay. You're not gonna even try to stop it? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try to stop it first. Moss, what are you doing in this moment? Holding a giant crate of food, so I probably can't <laughs> even see it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shatton, go ahead and roll a strength check at disadvantage. I rolled two 19s. So okay. that is 20. Dirty 20. You managed to slow the barrel enough that it doesn't slam into the door of the inn. But you notice that while the barrel is on its side, it is wider than the doorway of this inn. Mm. He's going to... Hmm. Hmm. She's going to, is it, if she stands it up, will it be wide enough to go through the door? Yeah, if you stood it up, it would be narrow enough. But laying she's, on its side like this, you can't roll it out this door. She's going to stand it up, open the door, and then she's going to toss the tip it back on its side out the door. Roll another strength check at disadvantage. That'll be a three. You know, you cannot stand this up. Try as you might, you cannot get the leverage to stand this barrel on its end. Mr. Barman, you think you can help me get out the door? She's going to put on her most innocent and cutesy act. Go ahead and roll persuasion. Uh, persuasion, 18. He kind of sighs, steps out from behind the bar, and he walks over to you, and it takes him a few, like, back and forths before he gets the momentum to stand it up on its end. And then he looks to you and it's just like, hold the door open, please. She does. And he kind of slowly walks it, like dragging it across the floor, little back and forth motions to get it outside the door. And when he finally gets it outside, anything else? You put it back on its side so I can get it back to where I need to go? Sure. And he kind of shoves it and it lands on its side. And you hear the wood crack just a little bit. Thank you. She's going to hop on top and try to roll it with her feet and walk it across back to the house. How much do you weigh? Uh, let's see here. I think I have me down at... I'm going to say a good 60 pounds. Okay. Roll a dex check real quick. 
That's going to be... Twenty-four? Okay. Twenty-three? It takes you some time to get this thing rolling as your weight is only barely enough to get this thing off center enough to get any momentum. But with that dex check, you are able to maintain your balance to keep it rolling and avoid any rocks that may puncture the barrel as you travel. Moss, what are you doing as you stand in the bar holding a crate? Um, <clears throat> once I see the uh, bar guy walk back in, I'm just going to be like, oh, thanks for your help. And I'll just walk out with the crate. And that's just kind of flexing on him because he and his buddy had to carry it. I assume you're holding this crate with one arm on each side of it? Yep. You are too wide for the door. The crate will fit, but not oh. with your arms holding it. Okay. So I'll slowly shift my arms down to the bottom of the crate, holding it from the bottom. Okay. You step outside, and as you do, you hear wood on soil. You look over in the direction of Vice's house, and you see Shatton standing on top of a barrel of ale, rolling it towards Vice's house. Uh... Shat, how do you intend on stopping? I haven't thought that through yet. Might want to start yelling for Gurn. (laughs) That's actually about to do that. Gurn! Incoming! Would Gurn hear this? Gurn, what is your passive perception? 14. Chat, roll performance to determine how well you can project your voice in this moment. Uh, 12. Kern, you do not hear her. <laughs> Shatten, you are gaining momentum as you approach Vice's house. She's going to uh, jump ahead of the barrel and try to stop it or slow it down. Oh, dear God. Roll a strength saving throw at disadvantage. <laughs> oh no seven uh, <laughs> as you jump down in front of this barrel as it is rolling now at speed towards Vice's house you try to get in front of it to stop it you misstep you take three points of bludgeoning damage as this barrel crunches on your foot and you just barely managed to avoid getting thoroughly crushed by it, and it is now rolling away from you towards Vice's house. <laughs> Moss, are you just casually walking with the crate watching uh, this happen? Yeah, and there's not really much I could do about it right now. Okay. I guess I'll speed up a little bit and start yelling for Gurn. <laughs> like, As you walk a little Gern. bit faster... As you walk a little bit faster, you smell the wonderful scents of, of freshly baked bread and cheese wafting out of the crate below your nose. 
roll performance to see if Gurn can hear you. Uh, the f- 13. Gurn cannot hear you. <laughs> All right, I'll play along. Do I hear or see this? What is your passive perception? 16. Your passive perception has to be lower than their performance rolls because their performance rolls are determining how loudly they're speaking. If it's below your passive perception, it's below your point of being able to hear. Okay, so what was their performance roll again? 13. I think I might be doing that backwards. I yeah, think, I you, think are. you are. Yeah, but, I think you are doing that backwards. <laughs> but if Either you want way. to do it that way, my passive is 12. I can hear that. Mine is also 12. <laughs> All right, let's do this backwards then. Yeah, <laughs> Crystal and Vice, you can hear the muffled sounds of both Shatten and Moss calling out for Gurn. Oh. Just to paint this picture a little bit better, is there a window in the direction that Shatten... And mosses? Yes. The southernmost have... eastern window out the kitchen. I want Gurn to be watching this. But not reacting, because he doesn't hear anyone, and he doesn't think anything's going wrong. And right. he wasn't really interested in everything else there. So I'm going to just move you in front of the window. <laughs> At this point, Shatten, you know, Moss, Moss is in the lower corner. Shatten is starting to run up, and you see a barrel... Just oh, I... rolling towards the house with Shatton chasing after it, kind of hobbling a little bit on what appears to be a hurt foot. Hmm. They got beer. <laughs> you. Gurn's going to turn around and start walking back over to the other people in the kit- in the living room. So, Crystal and Vice, as I've done this backwards, you two have managed to hear Moss and Shatten through the closed windows and doors in this house. You've just barely managed to hear them calling out for Gurn. And as you kind of turn around, you're realizing that you've heard this, you see Gurn walking in from the kitchen. They got beer. And about four seconds later, you hear a loud crash and the sloshing of liquid as the whole house just kind of shakes a little bit. What was that? And Um, I can only imagine at this point you at at this point, all of you hear a loud cry from Shatton, something akin to the word no. Uh, I'm going to immediately run outside and investigate. <laughs> I'm also running to- outside. Piecing it all together. <laughs> I think they brought beer and ran it into the house. As you I'm running all- outside, so. As you it's all step fun. outside, the first thing you see is Moss. <sighs> somewhat casually at a at a slightly brisk pace, carrying a large crate of something. And you look over and you see Shatten just kind of kneeling in the soil, 
with shattered bits of barrel laying in what looks like mud and grass and everything around just reeks of ale and you can see the foam as all of this liquid is soaking into the ground I'm sorry I wasted the beer Gurn hears that and he <laughs> runs outside to see the the cask shattered on the ground and he proceeds to get on his hands and knees and slurp what he can off of the ground. No! Gurn want the beer! Vice Gern. is not leaving the living room. He's just <laughs> staying inside. If you're, if you're not leaving, your mother's not leaving your side. Um... Karen, perhaps we can go to the tavern and get a beer later. I'll buy you a beer that's not on the ground. And as much as you want, I'll even buy you a barrel. But we're not carrying it here because I can't lift that. <laughs> Neither could Shatton. <laughs> yeah. What were you trying to accomplish doing that? I'm a little confused how that came to be. I thought it would be fun to roll it and ride it. And you didn't figure out the stopping part? Not yet. Uh, well, perhaps it's something we can work on in the future. <laughs> I'm like, that was a pretty dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> I see that now. <laughs> you like what? should have seen it when you thought of it. <laughs> well, like I yeah. said, in the future we will you, do you better. Like, want to have like this happen in the future? I'm like that that's I, I don't think like this is a good idea to happen again. Well no. No, I'm not I'm not saying it is. But if we're ever in this situation like, again like maybe we can future. fix this. Satin's gonna get up and sulk back into the house to give back the change. <laughs> As he starts to leave, Gurn picks his head up from the beer puddle. Don't do it again, furry hop. Okay. As Grim says this, you see a beard of, well, ale foam and dirt all over his face. Gern, do you think you could lift a barrel of ale? Yeah. Perhaps maybe later we can go get one. Just for you. Stefan's <laughs> going to give back uh, 45 gold to Xander. 45, huh? 
Yep, yep. <laughs> she did break the barrel. Okay, your change was sixty. Oh, I thought she. Uh, I thought no, the change he, was forty. He separated sixty and pushed that back to you. Ah, uh, okay. In that case, sixty-five. Okay, I thought you were trying to swindle Vice. No, no, no. I'm just surprised that I have to change my character's name. To what? To Xander. Yeah. Shatten gave 65 gold to Xander, not to Vice. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh. <laughs> Sorry. Oops. To Vice, my I'm apologies. Just shit. I'm just giving you shit. <laughs> Here's your change. I couldn't bring back beer. Sorry. That's perfectly fine. Uh, thank you. Apparently I was under the limit. Hey, I mean, I gave you enough to not have to worry about it. Like I like I told my mother, well, I, I moments after you left, you I could buy that limit. to happen. You, over your weight limit? And she just embarrassingly just walks away again. Vice, as she walks away, you notice a slight limp. I wonder if she tried to carry a barrel of ale and food and dropped one on her foot or something. She's just going to go sit at the the table and pull out Mm. some jerky and nibble on it. Vice, as Shatten walks away and you make that comment, you hear a faint sigh from your side. I'm I'm glad you have friends. Um You've picked some strange ones, son. I mean I don't think I'd want normal ones. Also they they know. Well some of them do. Oh they And if they know, and they have accepted you for what you are, and who you are, then they are more than welcome in our home. I wouldn't have brought them here if they weren't. About this time, you're going to see Moss walk through the door carrying a crate of food. (laughs) Yeah, at this point, I would have headed back in the house as well. I also headed back into the house. Following the similar tactics as before, it takes you a moment to wedge the crate through the door, and there's a bit of a cracking sound from the wood. But you do kind of shove your way through. You almost lose balance on the crate, and you bring it into the kitchen area and drop it somewhere. I'll put it down, and then I'll walk back to Vice. Be like, we uh, shouldn't give Shatten that much money for food again. Was it was it a scene? A little bit. <laughs> well, she, uh, she tried to ride the like ride the barrel of ale back. Is that what that was? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh dear. Kind of funny to watch though. Moss, as you're having this conversation with Vice. You can visibly see 
that you've never like you you'd almost don't recognize it at first but you can see that vice seems genuinely happy right now like there's nothing on his mind he doesn't look bothered by anything there is still a little bit of tinge of blue in his skin tone but he looks genuinely unconcerned with anything in the world right now yeah, that whole crate is filled with food. Your, uh, your mother won't have to go shopping for a while. Well, uh, mother, I think that uh, if we have food and we have guests, it would be our duty, yours and mine, to tend to them. As if breaking from a trance, still dumbfounded that you've even managed to come home and that you're standing in front of her, your mother just kind of straightens up. She's like, you're right. Guests, food, meals. I imagine you're all hungry. Come, son. Let us prepare food and she ventures into the kitchen area and starts pulling the various things out of the crate and trying to set them out on countertops and the preparation table and you're looking at six or seven full loaves of bread maybe 30 or 40 pounds of various meat cuts most of them full sections like full flanks three or four solid wheels of cheese. Maybe another 30 to 40 pounds in onion, carrot, some cucumber, three or four watermelons, two or three small pumpkins, and just a whole bunch of other things that my fatigue fogged brain can't think of this isn't a this is an insane amount of food and she's just like she's trying desperately to find anywhere to even put all of this Moss will walk up and reach in the bag of holding and take out four bottles of wine and just put them down on the counter and be like I, uh, I forgot about these Oh. Well, if you don't mind, put them over in the cupboard over there. And she kind of gestures to a, a cupboard on the wall within the kitchen. Okay. As you I'll go over to there. as you go over to place them in there, you notice that this cupboard has twenty more of the same bottle of wine. <laughs> just... Uh, just just push some of them aside. I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to fit them. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I work at the winery and we're allowed to take a bottle home each week and I don't know. Wine's lost my taste for it. Uh, I'll just put them in there with the rest of them. <laughs> you, it, 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 it's a bit of a challenge. This this cupboard's fairly full, but you 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 find a way to kind of shove them in, and 
get them in right. <clears throat> and when you go to close the cupboard doors, you can hear the glass kind of scraping against itself as you shove the door shut, but you don't hear any shatters, so you're good. <laughs> okay. Uh, Um, Vice will begin uh, preparing just something to help feed uh, a loaf of bread, cutting it, uh, taking some uh, like a watermelon, cutting that up into some slices for people and then cracking one of the wheels of cheese apart and making some sliced cheese as well. If you're just people to munch on while we make food proper. Okay. Vice. You hear Gurn yelling for you from outside. Kind of the same area where it sounded like the cask of beer hit the wall. Um, I'm going to go see what Gurn wants. I will go to hearing my name be yelled. Uh, I'll, I'll walk outside. Excuse me, I'll be right back. And Vice will step outside and look for Gurn. As, as you round the corner... You see Gurn on all fours, and he's pressing the earth as hard as he can to get the last bit of beer to come up out of the top of the soil. And he looks <laughs> over at you. Vice, one more ground beer for you. Gurn, do you want to go get a beer at the tavern? Or an ale, what, what, whatever that is. Because <laughs> I can't think straight. Gurn, <laughs> <An> ale. <laughs> Gurn got a lot of beer and good okay. advice. One here, you. I think you killed Zandy. Sorry, I'm flipping through my spells. Seeing if I can't. <laughs> oh my God. If I can't. I'm seeing if I can't make this narratively interesting. Hmm. Okay. I can't. He hear me out on this. Okay. What do you got? Can I cast shape water to turn it into a column and then use prestidigitation to remove <laughs> to remove dirt from it and then also using shape water because you can use two effects at the same time shift beer to the top and water to the bottom like any water that might be pressed out of the ground from this let me double check on some specifics basically I want to clean it so I can at least partake and like make it seem like I give a shit about doing this alright what's the first spell you're going with shape water Uh, specifically looking at the instance of you instantaneously move or otherwise change or no, excuse me. Uh, you can cause the water to form into simple shapes and animate at your direction. Okay. And then I want to, it, it doesn't outline it that you can do it in the spell, but I kind of want to see if we can't separate the water from the water from the ground, from the beer that's also in the ground and then press the digitate the, grass and dirt and mud okay. outward some combination of cantrips 
All right, so we're following this. We're following through with this plan. Okay. So, Gurn, as you kneel on the ground, pressing into the earth, trying to sponge out whatever ale you can that is left, your face covered in dirt and liquid, you can distinctly smell the ale as you press it out from the earth. Vice, you step over and you pull forth the, the from your core the ability to pull water. You, 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 you place your hand forward in an attempt to draw the water out of the ground. And as you do, pristine, clear water rises up out of the earth. And the beer stays. As the spell states, you may shape water. The sediment oh. and other ingredients that make ale ale have remained in the earth. Well, fuck. And vice and fence light beer. The lightest beer you will ever have. Um, okay. I'll use shape water to turn that column back into a sphere and drink from the sphere. Okay. It is pristinely clean water. Thank you, Gun. I appreciate it. Does Gurn still smell the same amount of beer that was in the ground? You're going to tell me that you're asking if Gurn can detect levels of alcohol by scent? Like, volumes of alcohol within dirt by scent. Gurn, the answer is yes and no. And as you try to sniff the earth to determine if the ale is still in it, you realize your nostrils are currently plugged with ale-soaked dirt. Gurn puts a finger over one nostril and blows out plug of dirt. Does the same for the other side. Looks up at Vice. You're welcome. Time for food. Kern's hungry. There is some food being prepared right now, as well as some uh, bread and cheese, and I believe watermelon as well. <laughs> huh? It's... It's a, like a sweet, uh, just come inside, try some. It's delicious. Okay. Gurn picks himself up and follows very tightly at your heel as you lead him back inside. I will also follow. Before we get inside, I'm going to help him get some of the mud off his face with prestidigitation. <laughs> just clean his face. <laughs> all right so how does that actually work do you just like touch me and it just dissolves no he more like he passes his hand over he doesn't actually have to touch you to have it work yeah so i just you see vice like kind of turn and look at you again seeing like mud caked on your face and he just like kind of waves his hand and you feel your face lighten like it's being cleaned and it you 
touch your face and you don't feel any dirt or mud there anymore. <laughs> face magic. One of the many things. And with that, Vice will lead him back inside and to a table where he'll place the sliced bread and finish slicing the watermelon. All right. Gurn, as you sit at this table and you see before you, you bread, cheese, things you've tasted before during your other times in taverns or in the interior tavern, at least you've had bread and cheese before. Until Vice comes over with a platter of a strange food. It appears to have an outer edge where the outside of the outer edge is green, dark green, somewhat striped. That fades to white and then shifts very suddenly into a much softer section that overtakes the rest of it in a bright red with small black pebbles in it. And as you go to pick one up, you notice that the red section of it is just dripping with juices. And if it weren't cold, you'd swear this was the flesh of some green-skinned creature. Um... Kern's going to be holding it. How is this cut? This piece of how much rind is there? Uh, it's cut into wedges. And I imagine okay. probably like half an inch, maybe an inch of green and white rind. Okay. And so as as Gern is... as Gern picks this up, he's using both of his hands and he kind of like cups the side of it. And picks it up like a V. And he's holding it in front of them. And the green rinds across the top. And he's sniffing it. And licking the juice. And he's kind of got a puzzled face as soon as he touches the sweetness to his tongue. Oh, yeah. And then he spits. And then he looks around, seeing if anyone else is eating this yet. Oh, Shatton's definitely eating the cheese and the bread. And when the platter comes, she def definitely grabs a little bit of watermelon. Yeah, I'm Boss would definitely same. grab watermelon, too. Crystal would also. Is it safe to assume that the rest of you are eating it normally? Yep. Yes. Yes. Actually, if there's salt available, Shatton will add salt. So Gern looks around and sees that other people are eating it and they're holding it differently. So Gern flips, flips it up right side up and he goes to bite into the soft part and he just kind of spits it back out into his hand and he sees that everyone else is enjoying it and he's not 100% sure. And then you see him bite into the rind. And... The the very distinct, tart, green, viney flavor actually lights Gurn's face up a little bit. <clears throat> Vice! Yes, Gurn? 
Vice will turn around from the table he's cutting up some meat and vegetables at. This is Roger Melon. Very close, but yes. Good night, this part. As he bites the rest of the rind off and sets the red back onto the table. Shatten will uh, reach for the part he's not eating. Vice is going to turn back to to the, the, the table he's prepping some food at. And very quietly under his breath, he's going to say, Some of my friends are very strange. We accept them nonetheless. To his mother. <laughs> As I said before, if they accept you for who you are, I will accept them from who, for who they are. And as she says this, you hear a light grunt as she lifts what looks like almost the entire hindquarters of a pig out of the crate. I'm thinking that we use some of this for a stew that we could start now and make something with uh, make something for lunch. I'm not sure. I know a um, stew is going to take some time, which is why I'm thinking that we use some of it for, or use that for dinner. Or maybe even an afternoon meal. If it's, if we can finish it before then, I'm, I'm not sure. Well, we'll do what we can. And she kind of walks off to one of the, uh, one of the cabinets and pulls out a large cauldron and sets it up over the fireplace. And then she goes over to a barrel, a small barrel filled with water and starts dumping it in the cauldron. Uh, I didn't have enough water for this. I, I'll, I'll be back in a few minutes. I have to go to the well and uh, get some more water. I don't, I don't think that'll be necessary. And Vice will walk over to the barrel. And uh, he is going to cast Create or Destroy Water. And fill the barrel. Or he's going to dump the cauldron back into the barrel. Put 10 gallons of water into the barrel. And then as much water as... Or after he does that is also going to fill up the cauldron for stew. Your mother just kind of stands there a little dumbfounded. I suppose you and I have a long conversation ahead of us. We have a few. Um, that's why I'm going to help with dinner, so we can have those conversations. Well, then I suppose it's time for us to get started. Would you mind starting on the vegetables? I will start preparing the meat. Um, the friends of Vice? Enjoy yourselves. It will be a bit before dinner is ready. And with that, we're going to take our break. 
as it is about that time. Uh, thank you all for joining us. We will be back in a few minutes as we all tend to what needs to be tended to. See you in a few. All right, and let us continue. As the rest of you sit around the table in Vice's home, chatting, munching on various prepared foods for you, Vice, you and your mother stand at the preparation table in the kitchen area, cutting vegetables and meat into small enough pieces to be suitable for a stew. She's walking around to the various cabinets, trying to gather whatever herbs she can think of that might do well in a stew with the myriad options she has now. It's almost as if there are so many options she doesn't know which route to go with this meal. And as she's walking around, she goes to reach into one of the cupboards and grabs a jar with some kind of herb in it. Brings the jar down to the countertop and just kind of stops. She just kind of turns around and looks at you. Where... Where have you been? Well, was in Hastholm, and then I don't know how much Northam has told you, but, uh, or that you heard. Sorry, adjusting a cord under my desk. <clears throat> um, I don't know how much Northam has told you or how much you heard, but Hastholm was attacked. Um, Northam managed to get all of us out um the the four of us that you see here we met Gern later on and as well as uh, Crystal uh, we met later on as well but we were transported from Hastholm to uh uh the peak of Glacius Spine near the peak and then we ventured our way south from there where we met Gern and then uh, on to Interion, where we met Crystal. And probably about, that took about three, four weeks, I'd imagine. And then we made our way back from Interion here. Just taking the road south of the lake. She seems to pause, kind of processing what you've just said. As she's processing this, she kind of places the jar of herbs on the counter. And she walks away from you for a moment. Off back into the parlor. Grabs a book. What looks... Grabs something from the parlor. And returns to the kitchen, holding a book. What looks like a book. A small journal of sorts. She opens it up, and it appears to be a calendar, marking the lunar cycles as days pass. And she points to a date. The, I made note of this when Northam showed up and you weren't with him. This is the day that Northam came here. 
What day is that? The 29th of Lunter. And she flips a couple of pages. And points to the 27th of Luncut. This is today. It has been... It's been almost six weeks since Northam arrived at my door. And now you're here. Six weeks that Northam showed up at my door, dying. You were nowhere to be found. And I couldn't get an answer out of him as he kept going in and out of consciousness. Every time he would open his eyes, I would ask him, beg him, where is my son? And he couldn't answer. Six weeks, that... That can't be right. Vice, trust me, a mother knows I have been counting the days, hoping, dreaming that you would come back. No, I, I, I don't discount your... Something... Something doesn't line up, and Vice is going to walk back into the parlor and grab his journal out of his bag that he left at the parlor and come back. <clears throat> And he's going to take note uh, that he, to himself, that he stopped keeping his journal. <laughs> but um, he knows that it took them about four days, to, or about five days, to get from the Goblin Town to Interion the first time. And four days from the mountain and think based on the events like that that time cycle entirely fucked and now what day did you say today was i'm sorry the 27th of Luncut. my my journal's entirely entirely inaccurate then because i've been i've been dating our travels and we arrived in Interion here, or what I thought was, uh, funny enough, the 30th of Luntir. But it took us maybe three, by my math, that was the day after that Northam would have arrived here and maybe three weeks is what I figured in time past. Something. Something's wrong. I don't have an answer for you, Vice. I do have questions. I'm incredibly grateful that you're home and you're safe, but the water... How? She's kind of stumbling over her words, un unsure how to ask the question. Uh, 
uh, if you're asking about how I was able to fill the barrel, um, obviously magic, but the reason why I'm here to initially, um, we were actually going to come here, um, before Hastholm was attacked. We were actually leaving the morning after, or what would have been the morning after Hastholm was attacked, and would have appeared same day on in here uh, six weeks ago but Northam told me that I needed to know more about my father and I do believe that it might have something to do with the fact that now this happens and Vice is going to drop the um He's not going to drop his his full uh, form, but he's going to drop the fact that he's like overriding the blue in his skin. Okay. So he's going to let it go back to the tin or the tinted blue um, that normally comes with his stress, while so, still keeping form. So as you drop your focus on hiding your stress. Your mother watches as your skin shifts from a pale white to an almost shimmering crystalline blue, as if your skin itself is made of a pale blue ice. She drops the book she is holding, and it hits the ground with a hard thud. The rest of you hear this. And anyone who wishes to react would look up and see Vice's mother kind of take half a step back, raising one of her hands up to her mouth as she looks upon her son in his now blue elven form. Everything okay? Vice. Uh, yes, she hasn't seen this before. Vice. What? What's happened to you? It's one of the things that I have to figure out. But it's something that I think can be controlled. At, at bare minimum, I can, well, do this again. And pale. <laughs> um... Also to note, uh, my face covering's been down since since we came into the house. I assumed as much. It feels improper to yeah. have that up in my own home. Vice's mother kind of stands there for a moment. A little bit of shock. And she turns to the rest of the party. Um... If you don't mind, uh, do any of you know how to prepare a stew? I, I believe I need to speak with my son in private. Um, I'm gonna get up from the table, and I will go over. Um, I can attend to it. I can mm. help. Actually, that'd be great. Um, do I need to add anything to it, or am I just watching it? 
Whatever you think is appropriate. I, I, I don't know what you people like to eat. Um, uh, thank you. Uh, Vice, I'm... we should talk. So um, with that, um, I will give Shatten some veggies to start cutting up. And then I'll cut up some too. And then, I don't know. Okay. So as, as you pick up knives and ingredients, you begin preparing as Vice's mother takes Vice by the wrist and tries to guide him upstairs. Uh, Celine, there's herbs in that cabinet over there, and Vice will point to a cabinet. Thank you, Vice. And then I'll Vice. start cooking, I guess. Your mother takes you upstairs and guides you to her bedroom. As she glances into yours and notices Northam passed out in your bed, she takes you over to her bedroom. And... Vice, uh, She's just kind of standing in the middle of the room. And you look around, and it's a fairly simple room. Question. Yes? As I've been in this house now for an hour two hours maybe um maybe an hour uh and had the time to like look around and notice things does it look like what, what do i want to say here um does it look like she's been taking care of herself like it, it, are there is it cleaned up to the point where it's like okay like someone's obviously living here it's not spotless but does it look like she's been taking care of herself in the six weeks she's been wondering where I've been? Or is it just, like, wrecked? As you stand in your mother's room, you look around, and you notice portraits upon portraits, hand-drawn, of your face. Some of them of your adopted face, some of them of your true face. Her bed is completely disheveled and untended to. Her closet door is wide open, closed, just kind of thrown around. Everything about this room is indicative of someone who is not taking care of herself. While the remainder of the house seems to be in fairly good order, albeit not well tended to. You noticed a fair amount of dust on all of the surfaces and it looks like a lot of things just haven't been interacted with. But this bedroom is... Wrecked. It's a mess. Um. Upon entering the room and like looking around, Vice will close the door, um, take off his overcoat and like hang it or set it somewhere, fold it, set it somewhere and uh, drop form and start picking things up as he's talking with her. Vice, like, you, you don't need to do that. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I just... And she just kind of rushes forward and starts grabbing up her own clothes and trying to, trying to reorganize the room in a, in a somewhat frantic manner. Mother, it's fine. I can help. I'm here. It's going to be okay. Just let me help. Let's let's talk while we do this. She's got an arm full of clothes. And she just... You see tears start going down her face. 
and she drops the armful of clothing on the ground or on the floor. She just kind of looks over at you, her eyes welling up. Vice. You didn't have a father. And the man... The man who would have been your father... Died... During our travels to this town. We were... We were traveling from Red Coast City to start a new life together up here. And our traveling group was attacked by trolls. Your father saved my life by distracting them and giving me a, a moment to run away. But I watched as the trolls ripped him in half. I have never been with another man since. And yet... Only a couple of months after living here in this town, I began to feel different. And after some time, found out that I was pregnant. It had been months since the passing of my husband. I, I don't... I don't know who your father is. All I know is that for some reason, I was drawn to this area. I was the one who had convinced my husband to move up here. A, a calling, if you will, a... So, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it. But I convinced him to move up here, and when I finally got here, I felt at home. Even without your father, this... This town afforded me peace and a sense of security. I, it makes me sound like an awful woman. I, I don't know. I just... This is where I was meant to be. And two, three months after settling in, I found I was pregnant and there had, there had been no other men. I, I don't so, know how to explain it. Have you shared any of this with Northam? Yes, he... When you were younger, three, four years old, he visited the town, some research project or something, and he was asking questions about 
I don't know, something something called a Titan. And he was just asking if anything strange had happened, and some people pointed him my way. As I was the newcomer in town who just ended up pregnant, everyone everyone thought me a whore. And didn't yet they, they assumed that I'd been sleeping around and didn't want to admit who I had been with. But I guess someone believed my story and sent him my way. And he he told me grand stories of ancient creatures molding the plains and having great influence over the various peoples of the land and he shared anecdotes stories from the past of other women becoming pregnant with no apparent fathers and I felt I could trust him telling him about your existence he was intrigued said that he wanted to study you when you were older old enough to at least understand he didn't want to take you away from your childhood but as the years went on uh, uh, he uh, he left shortly thereafter and the years passed and your constant torment the bullies and everything that you endured. I reached out to him again and told him that it was perhaps better that you go to stay with him sooner than we had discussed. You you were not meant to be introduced to Northam until you were at least twenty. But I couldn't couldn't keep you here. I couldn't let you continue to endure this. There's, there's so much out in the world, so many peoples that would be willing to accept you, and I felt that Northam was the best way to get you out there. Well, I think that it is a, a good thing that you did. Because uh, I have been able to see... Um, I've, I've been able to see a lot of good in people. Um, and while Sheraton is a wonderful place, and it will always be my home, uh, and feel like home here, especially with you, um, it was not showing me the best that the world had to offer. And I think that's not... That's not the fault of you or many people in this town. Um, but the ones that I interacted with the most um, made, quite honestly, uh, made it hard to be here. Um, and I've been able to experience a lot of, a lot of people that are interested or even uh, kind by just by seeing that I'm a little different than people. Granted, when a group like 
like me and my friends roll up in town. Everybody's a little interested. There's not a single one of us that looks normal. Um, but usually, people are very nice to us. I am relieved to know that you have seen the good in the world, that there can be good in the world. I hope that Northam recovers enough to perhaps offer you the answers you're searching for. Well, it's funny because he was... He actually told me that I should come here to talk to you about it. Um, but if we don't know how you got pregnant, um, please, if, if, it, if it's not too much to ask, can you tell me about your husband, the man that would have been my father? I would love to hear about him. He was such a kind man. I think one of the reasons I had convinced myself that moving to Sherton was a good idea was because where we lived, they didn't, we weren't accepted. He was a human. He was a wonderful man, strong, brave. And incredibly generous. I can't tell you how many times we got into arguments because he gave away our week's... He gave away our week's income to the homeless, leaving us without food. But that man had such a big heart. She kind of fades off into it. Uh, into a nostalgic stare into the distance. I miss him every day. She kind of gets up and goes over to her nightstand. And she opens the drawer and pulls out a small locket. She kind of holds it gingerly in her hands. Opens it up and hands it over to you. Inside the locket is a very small etching of what appears to be your mother, as young and as beautiful as she is now, standing next to a man with a strong, square jaw and what appears to be long hair pulled back behind his head. And on the opposite side of the locket, opposite of the etching, is a small engraving Time matters not. Our love is eternal. Your mother speaks softly to you. My husband understood that I would outlive him several times over, but he did not care, and neither did I. We had made a promise to each other that 
we were the only ones for each other for the rest of our lives, however long that may be. And that is why there has never been another man, because my husband is the only man I have ever or will ever love. Or at least that's what I believed until I had you. And even though he was not your father, I still see so much of him in you. Even more so now that I know you have traveled across a continent just to get home. I'm going to take the locket if I can and like study it closely. Okay. Um, before handing it back to her. All right. She kind of just stares there, stands there and lets you take your time with it. When you hand it back, she just kind of looks at it very softly and closes it and places it back in her nightstand. He sounds like a wonderful man. He was. Especially if uh, he was able to win your heart. And Vice will smile. I'll admit it didn't take much for him to win my heart. He, uh... He knew his way around a loot. <sighs> well... We, uh... That actually about sums up a lot of the questions that I have. Um, yeah. Perhaps we should go back downstairs and make sure that your friends aren't ruining dinner. <laughs> Perhaps we should. Um, have you been staying here with Northam uh, for the last six weeks? Just making I, sure that he's okay. I have. I've hardly left his side. In fact, I've... I have been resting in the, in the chairs in the parlor while he sleeps. Yeah. I know this probably is a little bizarre coming from your own son, but are you okay on money right now, Mom? If you've missed six weeks of work... Are, are you okay? I, um, we, we have food, but maybe you need other things that we didn't pick up. You can you can be honest with me here. We, we are burning the last of the candles and firewood. But, we um, will, uh, head into town and get some more but I Northam has nothing left <laughs> otherwise he's a very generous man as well and I know that he would help 
so on his behalf and on mine I will make sure that you have enough before we leave you're you're leaving again not yet I mean we might be here for some time but I will end up having to go at some point but we'll be around for a little while <laughs> this this time stay in touch <laughs> that much I can promise in the meanwhile Shatton and Celine for funsies I'd like you both to roll performance checks okay Eight. And a six. Vice, as you and your mother exit her room and begin your descent down the stairs, you smell something off. And as you get down to the kitchen, yes. Before I left her room, I'm grabbing my coat and I'm shifting back form to look like an elf. I, okay. I am not walking downstairs in true form. That is not fucking happening. Yeah, of course. So as you two descend the stairs, you smell something off. And you get to the bottom of the stairs. You look over at the dining table and you find Moss and Gurn just kind of sitting there and you see what could only be discerned as a smirk across Moss's face. And you hear Shatten and Celine kind of squabbling over. It would seem as if they're trying to decide what belongs in this stew and what doesn't. And I, I'm going to assume Crystal is also at the table, just kind of watching this interaction. Entertained. Berries will make it sweet. If we put it into the stew, it'll make it all taste better. No, we can't put berries in the stew. It makes it too sweet, and then it just doesn't work. I've cooked berries before. It just doesn't work. It's it's wrong. In okay. so many ways, it's wrong. Okay, but what if we put the wine in it then? No, because then it doesn't work. It just becomes too bitter. We gotta put the seasonings over here, and then the veggies over here in the stew. And then we mix it all together. And that will make it good. Okay, what about um, beets? Beets I like. don't belong in a stew. You can eat them outside the stew, but not in the stew. Shatton's gonna take some of the uh, uh, one of the beets and throw it into the pot from a, from where she's at. What's in there now? Oh, it's gonna ruin it completely. It's just gonna taste wrong. It's 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 just wrong. It's all wrong. This is not right. Shatton's gonna pick up bunch of random vegetables and try to 
carry them over to the cauldron to throw in. No! That's not how that works! You can't just throw every veggie in a stew. How do you know if it's going to taste good? More things means more flavor. Then why don't you taste the stew and tell me if it tastes good then? She's going to grab a ladle and she is going to uh, taste the stew. Make a constitution saving throw. Uh, Constitution six. Take one point of fire damage as you forgot to blow on the ladle over the boiling pot of stew. And this is awful. Just absolutely awful. It's like you're trying to make borscht, but you did it backwards and nothing is mixing correctly. It's because you didn't add the berries. No. No. The look on your face tells me that does not taste very good. Because you didn't add the berries. No, you just threw random ingredients in there. You didn't taste it first. You didn't make sure it was okay first. A little bit of salt. That'd be perfect. I don't think anyone else will appreciate this stew. And will eat this stew. Bet your Gurn will. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he'd probably love it. But I don't know about anyone else, though. <laughs> you can definitely offer it to Gurn. She's gonna go over, grab a biggest, the biggest chunk of meat she can. And says, "Fine, if you don't want my help, I'm leaving." And she's gonna scurry out of the house. The biggest chunk of meat available, or the biggest chunk of meat you can hold. That one. Okay. <laughs> so Shatton just runs off with a whole rump roast. I'm going to turn to Moss and Crystal. Do you guys want to try it? See what um, you guys like, think? <laughs> absolutely, like, not. <laughs> After all, like, Shatten did. I, 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 I'm like, I don't think I, like, trust it. Do you smell what this kitchen smells like? I don't think it was just what Shatten did. That just smells uh. terrible. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't, like, smell edible. Well, I was trying to make a very simple veggie stew with a little bit of meat in it. Shatten was just grabbing everything that she could find and just throwing it in there. Like, peels and all. Yeah, I'm like, it definitely smells like you tried. Ah. <laughs> uh. I will take some of the blame because I realized that I threw some questionable seasonings in there, not knowing what they were. But. Celine! Yes, Gern. Gern wants to. <laughs> um. I... Is there bowls near me or anything? Yeah, in one of the cabinets or okay. shelves next to you, there are various bowls and cups and whatnot. 
Alright, so I will grab a bowl and then put like a good serving of this in it and then give it to Gurn. Careful, it's hot. Gurn, what is but placed... But maybe you'll enjoy it. <laughs> Gurn, what is placed in front of you is a bowl of hot water with chunks of vegetables in it. And amongst these vegetables, you see quartered onions, inch-thick chops of carrot, half of a beet, and five or six cubic-inch chunks of pumpkin rind with one piece of extremely fatty back fat or fat back in, in, in a bowl with just a sprinkling of parsley on top. You can't blame Chef for all of that one. No, I'm not blaming Chef for all of that. <laughs> Gurn is going to hold the bowl up to his face. And it is warm. Start pouring and eating. I didn't give Shatten the chance on this one, but are you going to try to, like, blow on the bowl or anything? I warned you it's hot. <laughs> nah. I mean, he, he puts his, his lips up to it. I He's not going to just, like, start dumping. He's going to take a sip, take another sip, and then another one so that his mouth gets acquainted to the heat. Alright, okay. And then, so and your then he's this. going to start pounding it and eating it. So at first what you taste is vaguely flavored water. Um, but as you continue taking sips, the taste is sweet. It is bitter. It is salty. It is strange. It's earthy, it's not earthy, it's... Gravel and patchouli. It's gravel and patchouli. <laughs> Slain. Yes, Gern? Gern want two more. You want more? You like <laughs> it? <laughs> Okay. More meat. Um, I could try to put more meat in it. I don't think I put enough in there. And I wasn't really watching what chat was throwing in there either. So I, I don't even know what, what's in this stew anymore. We, we were kind of just doing our own things. So it is both our faults. But I will definitely give you more. See what I can find. And I will take his bowl and go get him another serving with more meat in it. You put the ladle in the cauldron, stir it around, and you notice that there's only like three or four chunks of meat, and most of these chunks are basically just fat. It would seem that leaving Shatten in charge of cutting and adding the meat to this stew led to almost none getting into it. Where's the rest of it? <laughs> Based on your history with the Shatten, you would assume she ate it. 
Okay. So I will serve up what I can and then give it back to Gurn. Gurn, you are presented with another horrendous bowl of hot water. This time, mostly pumpkin chunks. Gurn's just kind of looking at it. Thanks. You're welcome, Gurn. He's going to push the bowl forward. (laughs) Vice has walked over to the cauldron at this point and takes the ladle off the hook and he doesn't have to because it's it hasn't had time to simmer it hasn't had time to really mingle and he's like kind of pushes the water around just a little bit just to take note of what's in the cauldron right now you know i kind of blame myself for this in part celine last time you helped me make a stew and I kind of left you and Shatton in charge of making one. Probably shouldn't let Shatton near group food. This is really my fault. I should no, have thought about I that. No, I just think that me and Shatton just have very different tastes when it comes to food. And we want our foods different. And it just doesn't work. So maybe in the future, if me and Shatton need to make a meal together... We make separate meals for everybody. Like Moss is gonna meals. Moss is gonna look down at the bowl in front of him and go, uh, I wouldn't even call this food. Well You're right. <laughs> I We like get it. You like it tried. I, I tried. I tried. <laughs> and with that, um, I, I'm gonna kind of like leave the kitchen and go f- look for Shatton so I could apologize because I feel bad now <laughs> for blaming her for all of us. <laughs> Crystal, what is? Sorry, what is your experience with making food? Are, are you well versed in a kitchen? Are you versed at all in a kitchen? I'm like, yeah. Perfect. I could use your help. <laughs> she will go over and help. Um, Mother, do we have a second pot or cauldron or something that I can uh, displace this water in? Because it's... We're going to start over. <laughs> It'll set us back maybe 30 minutes, but we're going to start over. Um, I... We, if we could get it to cool down, we could pour it over the the garden. But don't really have a place to display it. We could just dump it outside. It. Um, like I think it might be like an insult to the garden. Right. I was I was also thinking the same thing. Not gonna lie. All right. Well, we'll, we'll start over. We we uh, could uh, get. No, it's not big enough chamber pot won't work 
it's fine. We can take care of it. We'll, we're going to go out back real quick. We'll dump it. We'll start over. Okay. <clears throat> Crystal, if you wouldn't mind giving me a hand carrying this out, it's a, a large, large pot here, so. Sure. All right. So with some effort and protective measures against the hot cauldron, the two of you gingerly carry it outside to the back of the house and unceremoniously dump it into the backyard and you watch steam rise from the ground and you look down and it's just chunks of randomly poorly cut vegetables just kind of sitting on the steaming soil and yeah press to digitate it cold <laughs> okay <laughs> you bring the cauldron back inside set it back up I assume refill it with water. All right. Do you want us to make a performance check? You know what? Considering it's you two, yeah. But I'm going to use this to gauge something else. 18. Okay. Night Owl Nerds, the musical begins. Renass. Uh, I'm also going to cast Dancing Lights just to make it a party in here now that we've got two people that know how to cook. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, Vice, you are actually somewhat surprised at how well Crystal knows her way around a kitchen. I'm grabbing the appropriately sized knives, cutting the vegetables into two Appropriate stew bite sizings, grabbing meats that would complement each other, spices and herbs that would boost the flavor of this stew. While you certainly know your way around this kitchen much better than she would, and you have to guide her towards things that she needs. For the next, I don't know. 30, 40 minutes. The two of you effectively dance around the kitchen and around each other as this stew is assembled and set to simmer. Celine, you had mentioned that you were chasing down Shatten. Uh, yes. I am chasing down Shatten. And once I get outside, I'm kind of looking around for her, trying to figure out where she went. Do I have to roll anything for that? Uh, That's on Shatten. Shatten has decided to uh, try to get to the top of the house so she can eat her meat in private. You will uh, find that there is no way to get to the top of the house. How, how tall is the house? You are carrying a chunk of meat that requires you to carry with both hands. Fair enough, then. Then yes, she's two-story building. Okay. Then yep, she's gonna sit in, that, in the back corner of the house, and she's just just chewing right straight into the meat. Um. So I'm gonna <clears throat> walk around the house then, trying to find her, yelling for Shatten as I go. I'm not going to yell, because I, I don't feel like yelling. 
but <clears throat> Chatting, where are you? Over here. Alright, I'm gonna follow the voice. I will run up to you. Chatting, that was uncalled for of me. That was that was wrong. I shouldn't have yelled at you. I'm sorry. Okay. I got dinner now. I honestly think we should come to a compromise for the future. Should we both admit you suck at cooking? <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> but that's besides the point. <laughs> Perhaps maybe we can both work on our cooking skills. And learn to work together to both get better at cooking. Okay. You want a bite? She holds up the the, uh, the rump roast. Selene, now... as, you, as you look down at what Shatten is biting into and just eating like it's any other day, you look down at a raw hunk of meat. Oh, so that's where all the meat went. No. There was no meat in that stew. Sure was. There was fat in that. That doesn't sound right. But there was no meat other than fat in there. Anyway, regardless. Why don't we go back inside? Okay, soon as I'm done. I'm going to start walking back inside then. And then I'm going to kind of sit down on the table and let out a, lo a loud sigh. Alright. For the next... Uh, eventually, Shatten finishes her slab of raw meat and makes her way back inside, her stomach looking a bit more full than it should. For the next hour or so, after Vice and Crystal have successfully made a stew, it has been left to simmer and set. You are all sitting down, waiting to be served, casually chewing on bread and cheese, sipping on water. You all hear from upstairs a loud thud as something heavy hits the floor above you. What was that? Um, Potentially a shirt I... falling to the floor. <laughs> Maybe with Northam inside it. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I, uh, I should probably go check on him. Yeah, I'll go with you. He might need more healing. <laughs> I know his legs aren't completely healed up yet. Perhaps he smelled vice and crystals cooking. Could be. Or maybe he just rolled out of bed. Alright, so I'll start walking up the stairs to the room. 
I'll follow. As the two of you get upstairs, you peek inside the room that Moss had dropped Northam, or where where Moss had put Northam. You open you open up the door and you look inside and you find Northam on his hands and knees next to the bed, trying to lift himself up on a small chair next to the bed. Oh, don't mind me, I'm uh, just trying to stand on my own legs. Northam, you're still very weak. That's not a very good idea. Yes, I suppose you're right. Do you mind giving me a hand? Yep. I'm going to turn to Moss. <laughs> <laughs> I'll walk over and help Northam. <laughs> on shaky legs, Northam manages to stand up, supporting himself on your, on your arms and shell. I, uh... Well, I, I imagine we all have a lot to talk about, and... Well, I'm awake, so... I There's suppose... no rush, Northam. You need to get your rest. You're still very weak. I've... I've... I have rested for quite a long time, Celine. And... I am... I'm very glad to see you all again. And I would like to spend some time with you, if you'll have me. Um, DM, how do his legs look? From what? Or how you does he look overall? Like from overall, he looks weak. Okay. Awake and alert, but physically weak, like you would expect a person who hasn't used his body in over a month. So, like, he doesn't... He's, he's not... shaky. He's thin. He's very old and frail. But you see a determination in his eyes. He is... He, he, he... <laughs> you get the sense that he's going to come downstairs whether you help him or not. Alright. Well, suppose food would be a start before we talk. Well, it's been a while since I've eaten anything truly substantial, and uh, he takes a, a deep inhale. Something smells very good. And he takes another couple sniffs. Do I smell burnt pumpkin? What is that? I have no idea. Why don't we go downstairs? Yeah, I'll, I'll show you when we get downstairs. There's still a bowl on the table. <laughs> That's right, you didn't get rid of it. <laughs> Moss will, like, pick Northam up and carry him down to the dining room. Alright. Set him in one of the chairs at the table and then shove the bowl of stew, if we can call it that, over to him. <laughs> Northam. Northam is placed in a chair at the table. And he stares down at the bowl of stew you've pushed in front of him. You know, this isn't how you grow pumpkins. No? 
you, you've got part of it correct. The seeds in here and water, but you're, you're missing the soil. I've never grew pumpkin before. I've never even seen pumpkin before. I didn't even know what it was. And until... I've never eaten boiled pumpkin seeds, and I'm not about to. And as Northam looks up from the bowl, he meets your gaze, Gurn. Oh, you're large. I suppose you're the one that they were talking about earlier. <clears throat> Hello. Gurn. My, my, my name is Morth Northam. Gurn, you say? Yes. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for... Thank you for assisting my friends here. And you say nothing? No thumb, yes. Nothing. Sure, yes. Okay. And must carry you. You don't walk. Uh, <laughs> my legs uh, were quite damaged during the fall of my tower, and um, uh, through your friend's help, they have healed, but I fear the muscles have atrophied, and uh, they're not quite strong enough to be stood on by themselves yet. Gurn, want to see... Uh, if if you insist, I don't suppose I can tell you no. S so stand, Northam. Oh, um, all right. And you see him, like, place his hands on the table. And with every bit of strength he has, he tries to shove himself into a standing position. And he stands there shaking violently for two or three seconds before collapsing back down into the chair. As as he gets himself propped up, I'm Gern's going to move a little bit closer and he's going to be by him. And he just wants to see how tall from like his armpit to the ground is for him. You're trying to gauge how tall Northam is? Yes. From his armpit to the ground? Yep. Five feet? Okay. And based on that, there's there's some trees around outside, yeah? Yeah, a handful, yeah. Okay. All right. Um... As Northam goes to collapse, Gurn's going to catch him and gently set him back into the chair. Okay. Wait here. I don't believe I'm going anywhere, Gurn. Not on two leg. <laughs> and with that, Gurn runs out of the front door. As he watches you run off, he just, Northam turns to the rest of you. It's a strange one, isn't he? 
You're lucky he didn't lick you. Oh. He licks. Enthusiastically. Wonderful. But like a happy dog. Uh, Northam just kind of sighs. Vice, the friends you make in your life are yours to make. That feels like a half statement, like it should be followed up with but. I'm going to leave the but to be filled by you. Understood. Yes, I'm going to leave that statement exactly how I said it. <laughs> That's one that probably should be cut and replaced with something else, but won't. Yep, nope. Ah. Well. So, tell me, where have you been? Uh, you you mentioned that I sent you to the top of Glacier's spine, not my brightest moment. But you made it through Interion, and then across the continent of Lumos, all the way back here to Shedden. You must have stories to tell. What did you see? What did you experience? How did you meet these two fine folk? Well, we met Gern, um, so north of Interion, uh, just at the base of Glacius Spine, there is a decrepit uh, town or settlement or something, um, about quarter or half day's travel north of there um we met Gurn living in a cave and he actually saved us from a few mammoths uh that were up there with some actually very clever placement of traps and then um traveling south with him into that uh, decrepit and falling apart settlement. Um, we met some blue-skinned goblins that were residing there. Uh, traveled down to Interion and found out that the goblins that were in that settlement used to live in Interion, uh, working in the mi er, in the mines before they were run out. And we had met Crystal. Uh, in Interion as well. And wait, then... wait, wait. Goblins? Wait, the goblins outside of Interion had been run out? You knew there were goblins outside of Interion? Uh, yes, when when talks began of settling Interion, uh, the discussions began uh, some 30 years ago before a group was assembled to even go out there and settle it, it was known that there were goblins living in the caves. There were trade agreements for the crystals within. 
As far as I knew, the settling group that was sent to Interion was meant to go there with the intent of living alongside the goblins, not running them out. Oh. Well, they did run them out. Uh, but we rectified that. Uh, in fact, um, the current residing mayor um, is the son to the mayor that founded the town and then the assistant to the mayor, Favin, uh, is no... We killed him because he was a shitbag, primarily, um, but also because he tried to kill us. Uh, At the mention of killing another person, you hear a clang from the kitchen as your mother drops a set of dishes. Vice is totally ignoring that. Um, <laughs> but we did get the goblins back to their rightful homes where they belong. Um, Gurn was raised by those goblins. That's a story for another time. Um, in fact, you should ask him about it because he knows more about it and knows all their names. Wonderful little creatures. Uh, then we traveled from Interion South to a small fishing village. Very interesting folk there. Uh, and around. Fishing, I'm not we had to of... double back to the to the settlement, but you know. That's where we've been. You say the goblins were living in a in an abandoned village at the base of the mountain? Yeah, about five days travel north of Interim. He kind of put he, he he does exactly what I'm doing. He puts his face in his hand. Looks very pensive for a moment. Yes, I think I that village. It was established as part of an expedition. Kind of a a a, a can't think of the right word right now, a horde of, adventure, of adventurers. Just people trying to find a way to survive up there. There were, there were stories of creatures, monsters, that live up in the mountains that would prevent anyone from truly settling. But there was, there was one group that had managed to establish a small village a oh, hundred years ago. Well, it's gone now. And we found it in a state of decay. And then it was destroyed. Destroyed how? Large plumes of smoke emitted from it about two days after we left. Could just barely see it on the horizon. I'm pretty sure... That the first thing to fall there was the windmill. Large structure. Big holes in it when we were there. Totally not our fault. Yeah, the thing basically shattered. I mean, we can only assume it's the largest structure there, tallest structure there, so... 
probably the first thing to go down. Uh, he's just kind of sitting there processing all of this and entirely unable to read the subcontext here as he's still trying to process everything that you're saying to him because none of this he, he kind of turns to you he, he, lo he looks up as he's processing this I knew that that village had been abandoned but it still baffles me that the goblins had been run out of the interior mines. When there were strict instructions that they were not to do that, that they were work to work alongside them. It doesn't... They were given direct orders from the king himself not to extricate the goblins. Mm -hmm. When people see the opportunity to save or make more money, they seize that opportunity, it would seem, at the expense of other creatures and their lives. Because they weren't just run out, they were slaughtered. And, and you say did. that the, uh, the man you killed, this Favin, and he kind of pulls out that piece of paper, the journal that you had handed him before. That's the same man who was trying to track my dealings. Yep. Did you notice... Do you have any more insight about this man? Who he was, who he worked for, what he was doing? He was definitely working for someone else. When uh, what? he attacked us, he was with uh, an elf and a uh, very large band bigger than Gurn. Um, I'm not sure who these people are. Fathom did help Gurn get ahead in this world, I will say that. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what you mean by that, Moss. Uh, it oh. helped in his development. Uh, because Favin had put on... Uh, uh, put the Not put on, but put the goblins through so much harm. Uh, it really helped Gurn uh, trust us and, and become better friends with us. Because he knew that we would be there for him if he needed us he did with the goblins you know setting things right it's at about this point you hear the front door of the house open and Gurn re-enters <clears throat> Arfam here Gurn's going to hold out two branches decently thick branches that have been chopped out of a tree and as you're looking at these branches they're about proper height for Northam uh, they Y at the top of the branch and it comes down the shaft and there's a small branch that comes out almost for like a support 
and then it continues down the rest of the way to basically resemble a walking stick. In the Y of the branch is a nest of basically hides from an animal. Uh, you recognize, from those of you that have traveled with Gurn, you recognize these as pieces of his winter clothing that he had over himself, the various animal pelts. Favin helped me make these. How did... As you... As... As he's even trying to formulate the question, he looks over your shoulder and he sees the skull permanently mounted and bronzed on the back end of your glaive, just kind of poking over your shoulder. That's... That's not a molding, is it? <laughs> is that... Fevin? What's left of him? I told you he helped Gerd get ahead. Alright. It is him. Not in flesh. Clearly not flesh more is that copper yep it'll turn an interesting shade of green Asgard knocks on the head of Favin no he's not smart <clears throat> but here try and Gurn's going to grab Northam and help him stand up and then put the walking stick underneath his arm and then go to place the other walking stick under his other arm while supporting him with one arm on his back. Give me a second to pull up his character sheet so I can make this roll. Okay, it's a little bit wobbly at first as he tries to gain his balance, but he does manage to find it. And you now have a quadrupedal Northam. <laughs> it takes him a few minutes to kind of practice with it, but he does find a way to learn to support himself with the crutches and on his legs. And he takes a few steps around the table but by the time he makes one lap around the table, he gets back to his chair and he kind of collapses into it. And you can see he's breathing very heavily. Thank you very much, Gun. <clears throat> I believe with some time I will be able to get back to my old self once again. Gun. No, no, what meme meant back then, but she say. You know, use it. You lose it. So, Gern, think you should walk. So, Gern, help. Well, thank you. And I shall certainly use it so that I do not lose it. <clears throat> you are getting 
Old. Gurn's going to pat Northam on the shoulder. I am incredibly old, Gurn. Far older than I should be. May I... May I ask you a question, Gurn? Okay. Do you mind if I speak with Fevin? I'm sorry, he said what? Um. <laughs> Grin's going to reach back with one hand and unsheath the glaive from his back and, and, and flip it so that it blades down and stab it into the floor. Northam looks up at the base of your glaive. This copper-coated skull with sapphires in its eye sockets and rubies mounted into the mouth or to the side of the mouth. He reaches into his pocket and pulls out a small bit of powder. He rubs it between his fingers and it ignites, releasing a sweet-smelling smoke. He utters a few words, and then he looks up at the skull mounted on the end of your glaive. What is your name? As you all watch, staring at this copper-coated skull, you watch the copper stretch and split as the lower jaw of the skull begins to spread and open, and an airy voice ekes from out from inside it. My name is Fabin. Who did you work for? Black Cloak. Were you behind the extrication of the goblins? Why did you remove them? For our gain. He kind of turns to the rest of you. Do any of you have any questions? And you hear from the skull. Oh, I have none. And then the jaw stops moving. You hear a final breath of wind escape from within it. And Northam just kind of shakes his head. I always forget, if you ask a question around them, it still counts against what you can do. And that is where we're going to end tonight's session. Hmm. Interesting. Talking skulls. Talking skulls. Dope. I'm a fucking talking glaive, dude. 
Yeah, you did. Is Gurn for now on just going to ask it questions with no response? He can certainly he's, try. He's, he's gonna probably going to. And stare at the eyes. But like, do you want to kill? <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> Come on. Come on, Draven. <laughs> Let's go kill. Okay, that was a fun game. That was a game that went in directions I was not expecting. <laughs> and I have so much content that went completely untouched. So It wasn't as dramatic as you wished. It doesn't mean it was any less fun. <laughs> Yay for getting ahead on future prep. Yeah, I'm so glad I spent the hour before the game doing more writing, only for it to not get used. We aim to please. It will, though. It will get used. Eventually. <clears throat> Garn's still hungry as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like... You had one bowl of pumpkin chunks. <laughs> pumpkin um, chunks in the hot water. <laughs> it really that was. sounds delicious. It really it's was because you dove right into that, and you're just like, "Yeah, this is, this is fine. I can eat this." Oh yeah, we'll serve it up. It's just hot water with some veggies in it that have barely been given time to stew. Yeah. Delicious. It's, it's good not, to know that Selene can't no. cook. Apparently yeah, not alone. A, just a poor performance check. You've done other cooking. You know, you've cooked while you guys can't were camping. Cook in a house. With ingredients that you're familiar not. with. Like you're you're good with like venison and foraging and all of that stuff. That's all fine and dandy. But you're in a house with a crate full of food, an insane amount of food with no organization, like there's no theme to the food that's been put in front of you. And you were making a stew. And you so were trying to make... Like, yeah, and you chop this shit up, slide it in. Next. Chop, 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 slide it in. And the thing is, I completely imagine Shatton doing that. She's just chopping food. Mind you, Zephyr messaged me while Vice and his mother were talking. Zephyr messaged me like, hey... While I'm prepping the food, I'm eating most of what I'm prepping, particularly if it's meat. So I was like, all right, cool. So there's there's almost no meat getting into the stew. And if it is, it's probably the bits she doesn't want to eat. And it's all raw. And, yeah. Raw. Was there probably like bone in it? There was. Probably. I'm willing to bet there were a few bones sitting in the stew because they were like, oh, yeah, we have to, you know, we got to boil the marrow to get the flavor out of it or some shit. Well, the marrow is the nutritious part. You would know, you carnivorous rabbit. <laughs> Shad's just like, eats, eats meat raw, dude. Big chilling. Eats meat raw. <laughs> Except Ken. <laughs> 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 
goblin's a little sour. Had the opportunity for goblin meat. <laughs> goblin sausage. <laughs> passed it up. I just imagine fucking meat grinding a goblin. <laughs> sausage comes out. Oh, not not sausage. 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 Very different. That's sus. Sausage is the is the is the tender bits. Okay. What's up, chat? Not much. Anyone they've been pretty quiet. Yes, and they've been pretty quiet. quiet. Yeah, it has been. Ever quiet. since, pretty much ever since Celine and Shatten were arguing over dinner. This is true. Well, Zero passed out like two hours ago with his kid. So. Oh, poor baby. Well, he didn't really sleep last night. Because, I mean, apparently sleep runs everywhere, not just in our group. Was that a jab at me? Yes. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> I had a wonderful night, and and you're being mean to me about it, and being like, you make bad decisions. I'm paying attention. I'm just this giving stuff. you shit about not sleeping. What was the stew made of? Dun, dun, Bone. Dun. Trash. Bone water. It fucking might as well have been just trash. <laughs> what were your guys' roles for, for performance? I heard a six and a what? Six and was an eight. eight. Oh yeah. my god. And then, and then Vice is like, we need to start over. Crystal, can you help me? <laughs> Fucking 19 and 21. <laughs> 18. But actually, I messed oh. up because I never actually added my performance modifier. So it would have been 28. Oh, dude. We made the <laughs> best fucking student. <laughs> like, we made an amazing fucking stew. <laughs> Well, I'm going to oh. jump off and go to bed because I got to get up first thing in the morning and do laundry. So I'm going to go sleep. On. Or at least try to. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Yep, we will see you, guys. you next week. Uh, Zero, is it a, is it a uh, campaign session next week? Uh, as far as I know, yes. Next week's scheduled program is campaign, and don't forget to tune in on Friday nights for Matters at Hand, where we will discuss the show as it stands, whether it's campaign, one-shots, whatever. It is the opportunity for viewers and anyone, really, to join in, ask questions, have them answered, while I work on building maps for the games. That's... Uh, that's what we do on Friday nights from 11 to 1 Eastern time. And yeah, next Saturday should be another campaign game unless somebody cancels last minute and I have to kill them. Is that a promise? That is absolutely a promise. Wouldn't killing them make it a bit more difficult? No, because once the player's dead, you can just kill the character. Yeah. Yes. Ah, true. 
The bad Thank cooking from earlier kills them. <laughs> Thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, follow those links in chat to join the Discord. And also check out the podcast on any major uh, streaming uh, location for podcasts. Um, we will see you all next week. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Have a good night. Good night. Okay, bye. bye. Good night. Bye.